welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy ratings and TV ratings and declares some of our own winners in pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by Richie Von Sexington. How's things, Richie? Hello, matey. Pretty good. Uh, from this side of the pond, well, not this side of the pond, this side of the world, we've had the craziest weather I've seen for quite some time, including snow, rain, wind, and then more snow. May as well get that out of the way while you're all locked down, hey? Uh, yeah, yeah. I went sledding for the first time in my entire life. I've missed out. It's good. <laughs> I've never done it, so I'll have to take your word on it. Yeah, yeah. 45 years old. Went sledging. Jeez. Well, we're here today to do the big 1993 Super Show episode here since we decided, yeah, we won't skip over the 93 Rumble. So we've got the 93 Rumble, as I just said, with coming from the Arco Arena in Sacramento on the 24th of January in front of 16,000 fans. And we're going to put it up against the WCW Clash of the Champions from the Mecca in Milwaukee on the 13th up against, uh, sorry, in front of 6,000 fans. So um, off air, we were just saying, Richie, these are actually two reasonably decent shows i was more shocked with the clash because the rumble's a rumble as proven by a lockdown rumble that i thoroughly enjoyed but six days ago so yeah but the clash came as a bit of a surprise because i'm always a bit scared about going into watching those i was glad you messaged me actually i've um i've watched enough like wrestling to record three or four shows and just i don't know i've been procrastinating on actually getting down and recording so you gave me the little kick up the ass i need i've actually can have a bonus show coming up because i'll let the listeners in on a little secret i completely fucked up what show i was watching and watched super brawl three before realizing it was meant to be the clash so i've got that coming as well you've got it in the bag for when we get to it later yeah, so, um, yeah, some good stuff happened on Super Brawl. It wasn't a bad show either. I've just got to um, decide if, I, if I'm going to watch something else to go with it or just make it a bonus episode. But, yeah, it's been pretty good wrestling all, all around. I even watched this year's Royal Rumble this week. Richie, did you check it out? I did. thought it was pretty good, actually. Uh, a bit, I mean, it's a bit weird. Um, I, I was actually glad they didn't bring anyone, like, massively back, uh, cameo-wise. Uh, just because I think it was, it's a bit flat without the audience. Yeah, I there were some bright spots, some good, some bad. I I really hate last man standing matches. So Roman and and Owens bored the shit out of me. The only thing worse than a last man standing match is a long last man standing match where there is zero doubt as to who's going to win. So there was no drama for me. Um, really didn't like that match at all. As much as I like Kevin Owens and don't mind the Roman heel turn from what I've seen. Um, women's Rumble I really enjoyed and the Men's Rumble look it was good Um, the Christian return was phenomenal I love Christian but I would say it was within five minutes that I realised it would be Orton and Edge at the end of the show Uh, it was a bit Sean Bulldog Vince um, Austin and as soon as I had that pegged I just lost a lot of momentum watching that personally yeah uh, it was obviously shown from the start it was going to be and even worse was Orton buggering off I, I just I hate the, they've used it so many years in a row now somebody gets injured disappears they come back at the end it's the actual it's the same as the Vince spot like you know one and two the heel gets hurt heel leaves the match for a while he, heel comes back the only difference was oh, actually no difference um, oh sorry yes the only difference was the heel doesn't end up tossing the baby face it got reversed at the end yeah and for me, I would, I'd, I'd kind of ban it, like in storyline. But I don't think they can, uh, you know, if you're out, you're out. If the minute you've got like a minute to get back in, all this bollocks with going under the bottom rope. Uh, I don't know. To me, it kind of sours the idea of the rumble. Because why? Why wouldn't you just get out? Yeah, it's um, not <laughs> not in the same ballpark as the one we're about to talk about now. No. <laughs> so. There won't be the same spots. There was no um, Bianca Belair. Did the feet touch? Did they not here with um, the likes of Damien Demento? No. On that note, which show did you actually watch first? I went Rumble. Okay. I went Clash, but I'm going to flip my notes to the Rumble, and we're going to start there then. Are you ready to do it? Let's do it. Welcome to Sacramento, California. Welcome to the Everyone waiting, Brain, for that big matchup 
for grabs. The Intercontinental Belt, as well as the World Wrestling Federation title itself. And how about Big Boss Man taking on Bam Bam Bigelow? And what about that opening tag match with the Steiner Brothers? What about the unveiling Whoa. of Narcissus? Who cares? So the 93 Rumble um, brings us a bright spot, which ends up being a little bit of a sad note, Richie. It's the last ever pay-per-view call of Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan as a, as a duo. I thought it was coming up because I didn't think it was that long until Bobby uh, disappears to do the land, WCW land. Yeah, real sad note here. They were just such a fantastic team, but they give us an enjoyable show to go out with, if nothing else. They're on fire. <laughs> we start off with the Beverly Brothers taking on the Steiner Brothers. Um, Steiner's this little, um, you know, year or year and a half run they had in the WWF really excited me as a kid. I loved them as a tag team. And we get to see why early on as Scotty overpowers Bo, who does a lot of moaning to the ref. Um, Gorilla Monsoon cracks me up early with his hyperbole with the... Um, the cab driver on the ride over told me he could have told his ticket for 50 times what he paid for it, 40 times over. <laughs> no exaggeration there at all, Gorilla. I mean, Vince would like that to be the case. <laughs> we get a side slam um, from Scott Steiner. More Bobby and Gorilla madness just cracking me up. Um, Rick Steiner with a brutal overhead belly to belly, which Gorilla says he's glad he, was, he retired. I can't blame him on that. Um the Beverly's work over Scotty's back and double team before we get the hot tag to Rick who hits a huge release German um, on one of the Beverly's and then clotheslines to both. The Beverly's miss their doomsday device on Scott Steiner as he ducks under and we get the Frankensteiner for the one, two, three in what I found to be a really fun opener, which ends with Bobby taking us through the replay with his classic brain scan. So just goodness from bell to bell. What did you think about this one, Richie? Hit me in the feels. It was good. Uh, I, I, Missed the Steiner brothers as a tag team when they were first around, and they're another one. You're just like, yep, they're they're just they know they've they've just got it. They're just it's that thing that they do look like they're having a fight, even though they're doing ridiculous wrestling moves. Yeah, I've never seen anyone pull out a Frankensteiner in the UFC, but you wouldn't dare question Scott on whether it was legit or not. No, no. uh and to be honest, the Beverly Brothers weren't that bad. They were good for what they needed to do. So, no, I thought it was a good, quick start. Not not quite cruiserweight level, but getting there. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, we then go to the video package of the angle that broke my eight-year-old heart, Richie. It was Sean throwing Marty through the plate glass window on the barbershop. I, um, I've no, never gotten over this. <laughs> I... I I'm, Obviously, getting into it late is a little less invested, but it it just just goes to prove that you can have what you can do storyline wise involving Brutus the Barber Beefcake, a crap barbershop uh, set, and say ten minutes as opposed to what they try and do now, which is complete garbage. I one hundred percent agree again, and that takes us through to Sean and Marty for Sean's Intercontinental title. Sherry comes out first on her own, and we speculate who she's going to be with. Obviously, part of the um, build-up to this match was Marty returning after going through the window, and when he went to hit Sean with the mirror, he clocked Sherry with it. Sean dragged her in front. A bit of speculation there. Gorilla obviously thinks she's going to go with Marty, and Bobby thinks Sean. When we get started, we get an inverted atomic drop and a knee lift from Marty, a suicide dive. And then Shawn Michaels rams Marty's shoulder into the post. And did you catch what happened next here, Richie? No, I think I missed it. Marty immediately starts selling the wrong shoulder. <laughs> well, he's got a lot on his mind. And just to make matters worse, Bobby and Gorilla start talking about it. And Gorilla basically calls Shawn an idiot for going after the left shoulder when he's right-handed. Uh, they, they saved it. That's professional. We get a shoulder breaker and some work on the arm before Marty comes back with some punches and a um, suplex from inside to out. 
Sherry slaps uh, Sean, and then Marty hits a back suplex for a two. The crowd go wild for the, the near fall there. He hits a power slam and a DDT for a two, a super kick for a two before the referee gets bumped. Sherry comes in with her heel and accidentally hits Marty, and then Sean hits him with a super kick for the one, two, three, before running Sherry off, where she heads in the back and meets up with <laughs> Mean Gene and a classic backstage promo, which I'll splice in right about here. Right now, Sean is watching the video wall. He sees what's going on back there, and now he's about to make his way back into the locker room area. Oh, I bet he's got something to say to her big time. Well, he's gone out of our sight. Sherry. Sherry. Whoa. Sherry. Damn it. Settle down. You are hysterical. Don't you hey. my gunner, girl. And that's the way you This isn't over. This is not over yet. What did you think about the, uh, the match and then the post-match angle there, Richie? I thought the match suffered a little bit just because it's supposed to be a grudge match and it didn't feel like Marty was that pissed off. Uh, It was a good match. I think Sean was slightly mega-selling. But other than that, yeah, yeah, you're not going to really get something that's not enjoyable with Marty and Sean and it still stayed the right side of two guys that can flip that didn't go too crazy. And obviously the uh, interview at the end is just... uh, Perfection. Yeah, <laughs> the interview's the best part. I think you're, you're on the money there with the grudge match feel. I think the period of time that elapsed between November 91 and January 93 really cooled this angle off. Um, legend has it Shawn Michaels actually got Marty fired in the interim and he spent a year away before coming back. Um, and yeah, just it, they come back to this feud a couple of times, but they definitely lost the momentum with that big period of time missing in between. Also, even in the build-up, they've got the video of Marty coming back and he's going to go punch Sean, but he does this ridiculous foot stomp thing first. Oh, with his hands on his hair, like doing a little dance like a a Tonka comeback. Again, I love wrestling. I love the ridiculousness, but I'm supposed to believe that that Marty is after Sean's blood. You just punch him. You you wouldn't stand in the ring. Doing like, like, or if you're Sean, you go fuck this and just get out of there. <laughs> well, well, fuck this, get out of there, kick him in the balls, punching him yourself. I mean, oh, it just, just, it just stands there going diddly dee, diddly dee, diddly dee, diddly 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 dee, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> A little jig. <laughs> oh, it's great. I've completely forgot to mention that, but that <laughs> always cracks me up whenever I watch this back, and I've seen this angle a hundred times, and it always makes me laugh. And I'm like, there's a time and a place, Marty. That's not the time, nor is it the place. <laughs> From there, we go into a match that probably didn't have the high expectations of Sean and Marty. It's a big boss man and Bam Bam Bigelow. Ooh, this! I've got to be honest. This is one. This is one where I realised I was watching wrestling about three minutes into it because uh, I've been looking at other things. This is the um, the tale of two matches here. Um, in the same match. Bam Bam jumps the boss man early while Bobby Heenan hilariously insults his mother. We get a clothesline, an uppercut, a bulldog. Uh, Bam Bam backdrops the boss man over the top to the outside and the boss man smacks his back on the apron and this match slows way down. Yeah, it, uh, it, it's. I thought for a minute that the network could put on an option to watch it at 0.5 speed. <laughs> We get a long series of rest holds, including a laying down bear hug, which for those of you that may not be able to visualize what I put into words, it's effectively two giant large men spooning. Yeah, I mean, I thought they were going to, uh, someone was going to chuck a duvet over them and they were going to have a snooze. <laughs> the only people snoozing were the crowd because this sucked the wind right out of them. Eventually, Boss Man comes back with a with a backdrop, um, but it doesn't last long. Bam Bam hits his top rope headbutt for the one, two, three, and the match that started off, like, the first two minutes were on fire, and then it just died a death, and so did the crowd. Something went horribly wrong somewhere. We then skip through to Razor Ramon attacking Owen. It's um, from one of the previous week's syndicated shows. 
a bit of a weird one. This Owen's doing a sit down interview and Ray comes in front of him and clotheslines him off the chair. So again, another one of those instances where you probably could have just gotten up and not been clotheslined, but it built some good heat for the next match. And that is the World Wrestling Federation champion, Bret Hart, defending his title against relative newcomer, newcomer, cucumber, Razor Ramon. I was really looking forward to this. Yeah, when I was a kid, I remember being really hyped for this. It felt like, I know it wasn't long. I think Brett wins the title in October of 92. But between defending against Shawn Michaels, who was nowhere near that level yet at the 92 Survivor Series, and the series of other um, matches he faced in that sort of two or three month period, you know, Skinner, Papa Shango, Kamala, Virgil, this felt like the first real title defense he had to make. I've never understood why when they put the belt on someone new, the WWE, uh, well, and F, uh, uh, seem to do this thing where they give them a crap first feud. Like... I think this... Or somebody that's... Maybe not a crap first feud, but somebody you think, well, they're not, they're, they're not a main eventer. I have a feeling in this era, none of the main event guys were wanting to put a like brand new main event Bret Hart over. So if you think about coming out of SummerSlam 92, the guys that were, you know, at the top of the card, you're talking Ric Flair, who he obviously took the belt from, um, Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man, Hogan has, has left, will be in and out. But I, ju- I just don't think any of those guys really wanted to lose clean to Bret Hart on pay-per-view at this time. I might be wrong on that, but that's the impression I've always had. No, I think it's probably the case, yeah. Brett gives his sunglasses to a child at ringside, as he always does, and Razor finds that same kid and throws a toothpick for some great heat. We go into a slugfest before Razor takes over. Brett comes back and works on the leg uh, with a figure four. Razor sends Brett Hart sternum first to the post, as he loves to do that spot. Brett works over the back and the ribs. The SOS and an abdominal stretch uh, before Brett Hart comes back with a crossbody for a two. They exchange pins and near falls before Razor gets a bear hug. Brett backdrops him out of the ring and hits a suicide dive, and the crowd really get into this at this point. We have the inverted atomic drop, a clothesline, a backbreaker, um, another clothesline all for near falls, a bulldog and a Russian leg sweep for near falls. Before we get the sharpshooter attempt, but the referee um, is basically barreled over by it. Brett Hart hits a back suplex but misses the elbow. He escapes the razor's edge, hits a sunset but only gets two before finally locking on the sharpshooter from the back and picking up the submission victory over Razor. Um, not a classic, but I would say this was a good match and one that I enjoyed. What did you think? No, really enjoyed it. I was, I was like when I'm watching Brett matches that he will heal to win, but he's not healing. He's just, I'll do it to win. I've it always adds a little bit of realism, which is something that uh, Brett. He's well known for. But no, I thought it was a really good match. I think Scott Hall uh, doesn't always get the credit he deserves. For this time, he's really good at what he does. I agree. I think Brett's got a knack of making every opponent look better than the previous or the next opponent. And definitely that's the case with Razor here. Razor actually had some good heat coming into this. This It's sad that this will be really his only flirt with the title after this he's always mid-card for the rest of his run but I definitely could have seen them heating him up a bit later and and having a title run if the momentum had stayed with him definitely they could have even they may have even I was going to say probably could have even surprised us with a belt swap here but obviously that never happened yeah, it might have been a little too soon for Brett, but definitely I could see Razor and Brett exchanging the title in 93 and not thinking anything of it. I definitely think that was a possibility. We then go to the funniest part of the whole show, Bobby Heenan unveiling Lex Luger while he absolutely wets himself. <laughs> if you think Vince describing Sean and amp it up a level and let him do it for five minutes straight. That's what you've got here. I'll put a bit of it in here for everybody to hear what I'm what I'm saying. Yes, yes, he is here. Don't tease us, Lex. Don't tease us. Show us. Show us what the world's waiting to see. 
Oh, yeah. Look at that. Look at that. You have a reason to love yourself. You have a reason. You are truly the narcissist. Let me get this. Let me do this. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, feast your eyes. Feast your eyes on that man. Look at the muscle mass. Look at the biceps. Look at the chest. Look at the abdominal region. Look at the thighs. Oh, yes. You are in love with yourself, and you have every right to be. You are the narcissist. You are the greatest creature. Gifted. You are gifted. There's the only thing I can say. Lex, of course, does cut a good promo on Mr. Perfect. Um, it's it's funny to think, like, we talked about the Sean and uh, Marty feud dragging on. I know you weren't watching back at this time, but if you've gone back and watched some of the shows from this era, it's so funny to me to think that, like, time just elapsed a lot slower when I was a kid, or they moved things along a lot slower. We first saw Lex drinking a glass of milk at WrestleMania 8, and his unveiling is the following year's Royal Rumble. Like, just doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, what did you think about Lex in general, Bobby here, and um, the unveiling to the WWF? It uh, it gets uncomfortable really quickly. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I just... I, I, it, it, the, the way that they're describing him, uh, just... It's very weird... To try and get a character over, I don't know. It just feels odd. I know what they're trying to go for is that he's a he's a he's a piece of art and he loves himself. But uh, as unveilings go, I think it just it comes across as more creepy than uh, than uh, a narcissist. It's it's more like creepy Lex, not narcissistic Lex. <laughs> Am I, like, I, I, and this might be the case, I might not be the, the sharpest knife in the drawer, but what the fuck is a Narcissus? I think a Narciss- Narcissus was his name, where Narcissistic comes from. I, I asked the missus while I was watching this, because she's far smarter than me, and I think Narcissus was the guy we get narcissism from, but I've probably forgotten that and I should have written it in my notes, because then I could have said I don't, knew what the answer was, but I can't. Oh, here we go. There's two possible meanings. It's either a bulbous plant that includes daffodils, or it is a um, hunter from Greek mythology known for his beauty. I'll let the the listeners decide which one it is. (laughs) From there, we um, see Howard Finkel bringing out Julius Caesar and Cleopatra, obviously the real ones from, you know, (laughs) from ancient times. Because they have freshly moved to Las Vegas and want to bring WrestleMania in. Oh, this was a little bit wank for my liking, Richie. What did you think here? This was very wank. Like, absolute toss. Just <laughs> stop it. It's it's one of, the, one of the worst things they do is when they stick advertising for something else on something you've already paid for. And it's not like we don't fucking know that WrestleMania is coming. Come and join us in our splendiferous wonder. Like, fuck off. <laughs> and that takes us through to the Royal Rumble match. <laughs> yeah, that's just what you need just we- before the Royal Rumble. Those two divots. Yeah, a bit of a chance to get a drink quickly before the hour-long match starts. Let's at least give them credit for that, I guess. Um, number one is Ric Flair, and number two is Bob Backlund. Um Let's start off before we go through, you know, everything here, Richie. And feel free to jump in. This is a bit of a long-winded one. But... um. This was not the most star-studded rumble in history. No. Uh, there are times where you can see the depth of the roster. Yeah. It was um, not great. There weren't any points where uh, you were like, oh my god, I can't believe they've just come into the rumble because there wasn't anyone for them to do. No. You know you um, fucked if Carlos Colon's having to come in. (laughs) That exciting youngster. (laughs) (laughs) Bobby Heenan doesn't lose it as much as he did last year with Flair being number one. You can tell Flair's definitely on the way out. Um, Backland is out to absolute silence. We we don't have a whole lot go on before number three comes out, and it's Papa Shango. 
and he really dropped off a cliff in late 92. I actually remember him doing the running at WrestleMania 8. We talk about Lex drinking the glass of milk. I don't actually recall a single thing he did after that. Like, they just bring guys back that are about to be fired for the Rumble every year at this point, it seems. Yeah, I can't think of much that he does. And he doesn't last to number four because Flair dumps him. Number four, of course, is Ted DiBiase. We get some um, classic hits and banter from Gorilla and Bobby, which is about the only thing going on. Um, they do, however, cut out WWF whenever they say it, which is quite annoying. There's no blurs to the tape, but they haven't fixed the audio editing, which really annoys me. Yeah, it just takes you out a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. We then get Nobbs come out, who takes out all the heels. I don't know if you listened to OSW Review, uh, Richie, but this is the point where I think that classic line from OOC is, how dare Nobbs clean house? And whenever I watch this show now, I just can't help but think that Nobbs coming and taking out all the bad guys. Yeah, it made me laugh. Uh, just watching it going, who, the, who went? Like, was, was this Pat Patterson went? Yeah, you know what, lads? Time to clean house. <laughs> Number six is Virgil. Um, the faces dominate, but Ted keeps avoiding Virgil. Um, and we get Brian Nobbs uh, goes over and out. Number seven is Jerry Lawler, who slugs it out with Ric Flair. Number eight is Max Moon, which gives me a good laugh. Gorilla Monsoon, of course, at his puntacular best. Max Moon comes shooting in. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Ric Flair begs off for Max Moon, and I just think the wrestling world's gone mad. I was like, what, what's going off here? It's Conan. <laughs> I think it's still Conan without his rocket pack. Yeah, he doesn't do his little jump up the steps, which is a disappointment. Absolutely. Uh, no wonder Vince never wanted him back. Number nine is Teneru, who does not belong here. And just to rub salt in the wound, I've got my littlest sat with me watching, and she goes, Dad, he's pretty weird. And I've got to agree with her on that. Teneru's a pretty weird choice for the 93 Rumble. Yeah, I, I didn't know. Uh, like, there's no build-up. It's just, there's Teneru. And it's like, with that, yeah. that's weird. Because it's not like numbers. it's not like bringing someone back from the past, and surely in '93, people didn't follow. Like their audience was more casual, so they they, they had less chance of knowing people. Yeah, no internet. People weren't watching Japanese wrestling unless you were the hardest of hardcore. Because I was watching, seeing a, a, something on Twitter yesterday about uh, Kenta coming back in AEW. Yes, uh, on Wednesday, I think it was, uh, and people going well. You know, why did he do that? Nobody knows him. And I'm like, well, they're more likely to know him now than, than Teneru in 93, you would have thought. <laughs> we then get the original Perfect 10. Fuck Ty Dillinger. It was Mr. Perfect out at number 10. Yep, he is perfection. And this is the best part of the Rumble so far, a third of the way through. He goes straight after Ric Flair. This is the night before the career-ending match we spoke about not too long ago. Um have we done, we have done the career ending match, haven't we? I've just had a little yep. pan, pan, yeah, cool. I just had a little panic there. Like, hang on a minute, we've, how are we doing this? But no, we've definitely done it. Um, and that's yeah, the best part. Those two going at it. It does not last long because number eleven is Skinner and Gorilla Monsoon just can't hide the truth tonight. He just goes, he's happy to be here. <laughs> Fucking bet he is because he does not belong in this match. It's like yeah, he, I'm not surprised he's happy to be there. Perfect eliminates Flair to another huge pop, um, one of the biggest of the night. Number 12 is Coco um, as the ring starts filling up. Perfect dumps Skinner. Number 13 is Samu. The highlight of Samu's uh, involvement is Coco Beware stomping on his foot. Bob's going over strong here at this point. Backland, he's you know been in since the start. Number 14 is a berserker. Perfect dumps out Jerry Lawler and Ted DiBiase gets Perfect out with help from Lawler. And Lawler, um, sorry, yeah, Lawler from the floor helps DiBiase, and that means he and Perfect will brawl to the back. So we've gotten rid of Mr. Perfect and Ric Flair, the two biggest stars by far, and we're up to number 15, so we need a star, and it is The Undertaker. Now, this is what I would argue is the first proper star that this Rumble has had. Uh, I know we've got Flair. This is the first like interesting person I think came out for me, because... I, I think because I know Flair's already going, then uh, it's difficult to get behind him. So I was like, oh, God, here we go. Come on, then. But, you know, 
Take it comes out. This is probably the, probably the biggest pop of the night too. Yeah, definitely. He immediately cleans house. He choke slams Samu out. Beats down on the Berserker. Oh, sorry, Berserker beats down Bob Backlund on the floor, allowing Undertaker to dump out Teneru. Number 16 is terrific Terry Taylor. Ted DiBiase dumps Coco and Terry Taylor at the same time before Undertaker hits him with a choke slam and puts him out. Berserker and Undertaker are in the ring, and boom, out comes Giant Gonzalez. Before he gets to the ring, the Undertaker dumps the Berserker, and we see number 17, Damian Demento, who does not get in the ring. And it's the big showdown we've all been waiting for, Giant Gonzalez and The Undertaker. Had you seen this before, Richie? Uh, No, and I don't think I'll ever be able to unsee it. (laughs) They do the big, like, one step at a time towards each other. The very dramatic tension here is Giant Gonzalez is a legitimately tall man. Um, He's quite ginormous. He's towers over The Undertaker, but his offense is very weak. He basically chops The Undertaker out of the ring here. Um, he does hit a nice choke slam, which I didn't know he had in his repertoire. Um, while this is going on, number 18 comes out IRS, but he's not getting in the ring either. Gonzalez continues his beatdown, while Damian Demento IRS uh, double-team Bob Backlund. Number 19 is Tatanka, and he comes out. The Undertaker's still, like, laid dead on the post. He got dragged, sort of, legs crutched towards the post, and he's just lay there as Gonzalez leaves. This brings out Paul Bearer to come out and revive him, which is a difficult order, but he gets him out of there. Number 20 is Sags, 21 Typhoon, 22 Fatu. During this stretch here, like, the reason why I'm just going from name to name is because nothing happens and the crowd are dead. It's absolutely awful. The next probably, like, reasonably big name to come out here is 23, Earthquake. And the buffoon goes straight for Typhoon. What an idiot. Um, Typhoon hits an avalanche and then goes for a second and Quake ducks it and Typhoon goes out. But they know Yokozuna's still to come. They should have waited and double teamed him. Like, what are they doing? Wrestling logic. I think this... (laughs) I can't remember. Pat Patterson leaves the WWE for a certain period of time in the early 90s due to allegations. Uh, And I don't know if he's... I don't know if he's around to do this Royal Rumble considering that was kind of... he's. He's his uh, forte, so maybe maybe they've got one of the interns doing it. Yeah, possibly. Um, 24 is Carlos Colon, as we said before. Gorilla calls him an exciting youngster, which is quite funny. Um, he gets an elimination. He dumps Damien Demento. Number 25 is El Matador. You know when you get to the last five, or last six, sorry, entrance, and El Matador's in there, this is not a deep roster. Yeah, th- I mean, we've we've basically this rumble sponsored by Werther's Originals at this point. <laughs> it's just there. There isn't that many modern day stars. In fact, I, I've got as a note that uh, you we don't see a lot of these people on Raw, and we've done like six or seven weeks of Raw, and we've seen fuck all and most of the people that's in this rumble. Absolutely. Uh, Bob Backlund dumps out Fatu, and then in another example of wrestling logic, we get one or two things happens in every Rumble. Tag team partners come out one after the other, or mortal enemies come out one after the other. So we just had El Matador, so the early 90s wouldn't uh, be complete without a Royal Rumble brawl between El Matador and Rick the Model Martel going back to their Strike Force breakup days in the 80s. So they go at it for a little while. Um... Earthquake dumps out IRS. Yoko um, then comes in at number 27. He dumps Tatanka. Um, Carlos Colon faces off with Earthquake. Uh, sorry, he dumps Tatanka and Carlos Colon and then faces off with Earthquake, which should be a big battle. 28's Owen. Yoko belly-to-belly suplexes Earthquake out, and that was a pretty impressive spot for those two guys. I actually really thought that looked cool. Yeah, it really, really good. 29, to show you the depth of this roster, Richie, is the fucking Repo Man. I You can't... You know, they probably, probably still have the Royal Rumble mode, but I've not played it in, in years, any WWE game. But, like, because it was randomly generated, anyone could come out, basically. That's what this feels like. There's, there's no rhyme or reason. It's not booked. It's just, you've played nope. from number one... You're knackered. Your character's flashing red everywhere. There's blood. You're one one mashing of the button away from being thrown out of the ring. And then out comes 
Taka Mishinoku at number 30. And you're like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I'm going to win the oh, Rumble God. by throwing Taka Mishinoku out. <laughs> Thankfully, the, the actual number 30 is slightly more impressive. It's the Macho Man. And just before we go into the final sequence, like if you look at this Rumble and talk about people that could legitimately win it, you probably had Ric Flair at number one, The Undertaker at 15, Yokozuna and the Macho Man at 30. I would say they were the only four people anyone thought had any chance of winning this. Do you, am I missing anyone, or do you agree with that assessment? No, I agree. I didn't even think, really, Mr. Perfect was going to win it. No, and if you look back, even like we talked about the Rumble from um, earlier in the week, 2021, for anyone that might be listening to this 10 years from now for whatever strange reason, um, you still probably had, like, the doubt. The favourite going in was Daniel Bryan. Christian made a comeback, and you probably didn't think he'd win it, but he was a chance. Edge and Orton were obviously chances. Um, there were people in this Rumble that you legitimately could have seen winning it um, and getting that springboard. Big E had some momentum. Um, Sami Zayn, I actually thought, was an outside chance. But, yeah, just this was really, really slim pickings. Yeah, there, were, there wasn't that level of mid to you know semi-main event stars that you could put your your hat on or even like a lower card person they took a risk on i think there's only even at this point um maybe only like three of the people in this match had even been the intercontinental champion that's how bad it was we've got like trying to even just quickly think of that um obviously mr perfect had been the intercontinental champion um Tito Santana in the very, very early days of the, of the Golden Age. And I don't even think anyone else here had been an Intercontinental Champion. I might be wrong on that. And I'm just, you know, not going to stall the show to go back and look over everybody. But that just tells you how poor it was. We had one, sorry, two former WWF, three former WWF Champions and two former Intercontinental Champions out of 30 wrestlers. That's pretty poor. Yeah. Yeah. And it drags down other people that they could possibly have puffed. But because I think maybe they'd been seen a lot, but you've got Typhoon and Earthquake. You know, they're big lads, but they're not... I don't know if they've been around for too long and therefore you just become one of the, one in the background, but they didn't, they didn't do anything to even, even... Even Earthquake, you know, they could have done something a little bit better to make you think, well, hold on. Like you say, Earthquake and Yokozona. Earthquake's got a chance, but no. So Yoko tosses out Tito, Owen drop kicks Sags out the ring, Yoko tosses out Owen, the Macho Man tosses out Repo, and our final four for a chance to main event WrestleMania, the Macho Man, Yokozuna, the model Rick Martel, and Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund starts to get some pops here from the crowd. He went from silence to, I would say, respectful applause, lasting from one all the way, from two, sorry, all the way through to the final four. Yeah, it's, I don't think they want him to win it, but they're like, well, you know, the lad's done well. And he actually gets one more elimination. He dumps the, the model before Yokozuna tosses out Backlund. And this actually draws booze from the crowd. So, yeah, they, they definitely... They, he got him on side over the course of the hour. Plus, it's early 90s and Yokozuna's playing a Japanese character. Well, a Japanese persona gimmick. So, uh, it's probably... A, they're going to take the American over the uh, Japanese person at that point. Indeed. The Macho and Yoko are the last two. We get a couple of top rope axe handles before Yoko fires back with a belly to belly and a big leg drop. Macho manages to avoid the avalanche, however, and Yokozuna goes down, which doesn't sound like much, but was huge at this point in time. Yoko did, never left his feet. Macho Man hits a top rope elbow, and Richie, would you like to describe how this match ends? Macho pins Yokozuna in the Royal Rumble. Uh, if I remember correctly. And then Yokozuna pushes Macho Man six to seven feet in the air over the top rope. I think my memory serves me right there. Many things wrong with that, including a pin. Uh, Yokozuna is never shown to be that strong. And uh, why couldn't Macho just be chopped, chucked over the top rope, considering he's a commentator on Raw? <laughs> This was um, not a good ending um, to a really sort of average Royal Rumble. We then bring out Julius Caesar and Cleopatra one more time because we need it and highlights before we end. So 
that's the rumble in the can. I, we're going to, you know, be honest and say it's not the best Royal Rumble ever. It's not even probably in the top 20 by this point. But overall, as a show, I actually found this just a bit of a breeze and not too bad. These, you know, first sort of five to ten Royal Rumbles, probably up until about 95, I think you always got a pretty decent pay-per-view out of them at the very least. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, we're complaining, but it it's a rumble. I mean, that... that yeah, definitely. It, it, no matter what happens, I'm watching a Royal Rumble. So, I'll take that. I think that's probably about the best way you could assess this Royal Rumble, Richie. Um, no matter how bad it is, it was still a Royal Rumble in the 90s. <laughs> well, it did... I don't think there's an event, including WrestleMania, that gets more wrestling fans back than the Rumble. It's just... Whatever period of time it is, whether it was the the early the, when it was first out, it was novel. Even in the nineties, when they weaved more storylines into it, or even now with adding, and, and I think it's a bit of a detriment putting old stars in there because when the current roster stars come out, you end up going, oh, it's not, I don't know, Sid. Oh, it's not. Uh, I don't know. Uh, one of the Midnight Express. For, don't know why it would be one of the Midnight Express, but you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, it's not. It's not Hogan. It, it's like, oh look, it's oh, it's. Uh, in fact, the entire roster's got Mustafa Ali. He's great, but I don't want. I, you know, you've you've got me wanting DDP or you know you something like that, and I'm I'm not. I know Mustafa, Mustafa Ali isn't going to do anything, and he's going to go out, so it becomes pointless. Yeah. At least a nostalgia pop is good. But yeah, a grumble is always good. That takes us to the halfway point of the show. Now, I know, Richie, you're not a big merchandise connoisseur, so I thought what we might do this week is something a little bit different and ask you, put you on the spot, can you tell me what your favourite five wrestling-related podcasts, if you listen to any, would be? Ooh, now that's been a while. Well, obviously yours. Because I start. Thank you. Well, I, I I did start listening to it before, uh, uh, I I was on it. So obviously you, you get a, a call. I'm just having a look. I've, I've, I tend to pick and uh, pick and choose with podcasts and end up dropping them. But uh, new Blood Rising podcast. That's a good one as well. Yep, really enjoy that. Uh, I'm going to link link these all together. Uh, I want to go. I do like Jim Cornette, although okay. I'm going to say, I think it's part of that theory that I like listening to something from a different point of view. Whether I necessarily agree with it or not is irrelevant, but it's nice to know how somebody who doesn't say modern wrestling is amazing sees things. Uh, Interesting. I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, I'm just having to think. I don't really have that many on my podcasting because I, I, I was listening to loads. I used to, post-wrestling, I used to listen to a lot. But uh, I've dropped off because mostly they their shows would be reviewing Raw. And uh, I don't want to know what's happening in Raw, to be fair. Yeah, fair uh, enough. I and, don't watch and, it, so I don't need to be read about it. And there was one from, uh, I got into for a bit, but dropped out again. It was the uh, Ruthless Aggression podcast. But I, I stopped keeping up, and then I got too far behind. Uh, yeah, that's probably probably them. That's probably the five. I, t- I tend to uh, go through periods. So at the minute, it's like mostly podcasts about Doctor Who, and then I'll, I'll suddenly go back to wrestling. Oh, TNW podcast, of course. I, ah, I, nice I, one, I missed obviously. it. I missed Good it. friend of the show. Yep, I missed it from the uh, from the list. Yep, so that's probably it. That's a pretty solid list. I have. Definitely listen to all of those at some point. Um, yeah, and obviously Duncan and Kyle have, have joined me in audio too. So yeah, solid list there. I, I like it. Put you on the spot, but you came through in the crouch. There was a few that actually I think stopped that I quite that kind of enjoyed. I think one was reviewing Nitro, and I can't remember what that was called, but it was uh, some Australian guys, and I can't remember what that one was. There was um, I, I was really bummed when the guys that were doing the uh, the new gen podcast stopped doing that as well. I really enjoyed that for quite a while, but yeah, it tends to happen. Like, I think y- it can be a little bit of a like 
unless you're gaining a really big following, you can kind of just think that it's, you're wasting your time. I know at times I've been like that, but I actually just really enjoy chatting to you guys now, and it gives me an incentive to watch some old wrestling because the new stuff sucks. Yep. Uh, and I actually did get one that was reviewing like TNA from the start. But I think I think those I think it just killed the the lads doing it. I think they were just like we just can't face this anymore. I did at one point think about hitting Duncan up when our last project ended to do like SmackDown versus the, the TNA Weekly pay per view. But um, I think we landed pretty comfortably on SmackDown and Thunder, so we're going to ride that out for a while. Yeah, I mean that early TNA run is schizophrenic at best. <laughs> Well, that will do it for our little interlude. Are you ready to go over and have a look at The Clash? Yep. So this Clash is entitled Mayhem in Milwaukee, uh, The Thunder Cage, which I'm dreading, but we'll get to that later. And we start off with Tony Schiavone chatting to Cowboy Bill Watts. Um, They talk for quite a while, um, and they tell us about Van Hammer is out of the arm wrestling contest and Tony Atlas is his replacement against Big Kev, but it's not Kevin Nash, it's Vinny Vegas. Um, Eric Watts has been suspended for locking an STF on Arn Anderson at a gas station, which is possibly the most ridiculous sentence I've ever uttered. <laughs> yep. Oh, and we have um, Larry Zabisco backstage with Eric Watts who cuts a promo as bland as his shirt is loud. This is just not a good start to a big show here. Hold on. Right. What show did you watch? I've not watched the wrong show to you. I've not watched a different show to you, have I? I've watched uh, Super Clash 93. It doesn't sound like you've listened to Super Clash 93. That sounds like a dick. No, I've, watched... sounds... I've watched Clash of the Champions. <laughs> You've watched Clash of the Champions, not Super Clash 93. Yeah. No, because mine's from January. When's yours from? <laughs> I thought we were doing Super Clash 93. That's where we got to in the uh, in the reviews. D- fuck. <laughs> I've watched <laughs> two of the wrong shows. Two of the wrong shows. What am I doing? <laughs> I, I was like, hold on. What the fuck's oh, going off here? No. I think we're going to have to pause this. You're going to have to go off and watch it, and we'll have to reconvene. <laughs> and leave all this in. <laughs> you know what I think we should do, Richie? The first time ever, I think this should be part one and part two. <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> oh, my God. What have I done? <laughs> I was like, don't tell me I've got it wrong after I told him uh, I told him he got the first one wrong. And off you go. Is it called too many things super or clash? That's a problem. Did you watch... Hang on, no, isn't Super Clash, isn't that the AWA? Did you watch Super Brawl 3? I have no idea. What's your first match? Uh, first match is uh, Hollywood Blondes versus Eric Watts and Buff Bagwell. What? Okay, hang on a second. This is the one I've watched. I didn't finish it, though. How many matches did I miss? Hang on a second. We, we might be able to quickly change gears here. This is Shout an absolute super. shambles. <laughs> Maybe it's not Super Clash. Uh, I mean, I've probably... Super Brawl. Yeah. It's the White Castle of Fear. Oh, no. Hang on a minute. I don't want to miss out on the main event. Um... No, I'm two. I've got like three matches short. We might have to do this part one and two, and I will. Um, I will so watch after those that, last I, three I, matches this I, week. I named the bloody uh, thing the wrong name and got it. Uh, that's entirely <laughs> my fault. After I've just uh, cussed you out on air. <laughs> this is the most shambolic moment in the history of this podcast, and it's got some big company. <laughs> I mean, I've just earned a ten on the hammerlock scale there. <laughs> We both did. You've named it the wrong show, and I've watched a completely different one anyway. I didn't even watch what you named. <laughs> oh, the worst thing was, Richie, I was like 60, 70% through this show, decided on a, on a dime that I was watching the wrong show, stopped and went and watched the wrong show. <laughs> oh, I was watching the right show, and I stopped and watched something else. <laughs> I mean, was it good? Um, 
What the Clash? The Clash was really good. Uh, that's gonna have to be my bonus review now. I'll do the Clash. I think I'll just randomly go back to like the last Saturday night's main event and I'll compare them off against each other. I know they're a year apart, but it, fuck it. It, it. It's either that or we could try and review your show and my show and we'll just talk about completely different matches. That might get confusing. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're going to be able to add too much insight to mine. Unless, how, how much notes have you got? I, I, the last one I watched was Cactus Jack and Mr. Wonderful. I don't have the in-depth notes that uh, you have, my good friend. So, uh, right. I, I leave the moves to your good self. Let's call this um, <laughs> the review part one. I will get this posted and we'll come back next week and do part two if that works for you. Certainly does. Uh, I'll try not to fuck up anything else in the meantime. <laughs> oh, this is my favorite thing. I'm going to have to, I'm going to post this. Um, we're going to get this show on the air so that the people have got something to listen to. Part one. We'll come back next week with Super Brawl 3, part two of this show. And. Let's maybe in the next few days come up with a like a funny little bonus segment to tie it up and make it worthwhile tuning in for part one and part two of the same show. <laughs> yeah, you repeatedly insulting me for 10 minutes. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, well, we're going to... Um... We're going to call this one a wrap here for today. Um, the Royal Rumble 93, enjoyable show. Uh, we're going to come back and talk about Super Brawl 3, and then we'll decide our winner on the end of that show. How does that sound? Uh, that sounds like a podcast we could do. <laughs> All right. Well, I will have these matches watched by the, by the end of this weekend, and um, we'll reconvene at a time that is suitable to you, Richie. <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> What a shit show. No, it's entirely my fault. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoy part one. And part two will be coming to you all very, very soon. We might have to add a new rating on the end of how how did Richie fuck up this one? <laughs> Whatever you do, don't compare this podcast to any other podcast that's got their shit together this week because we'll lose all five categories. <laughs> <laughs> If it look, I, this might make for shit listening, but this is probably legitimately the <laughs> funniest thing that's happened since I started this show. In my eyes, this is—I've never prided myself on being professional, and this takes the cake. <laughs> I say, Duncan, you—you you bring a level of professionalism that I just do not. <laughs> if anyone wants to buy this podcast from me, it is going very, very cheap right now. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh well, Richie, let's call it a wrap for today. Um, <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Feel free to insult us on Twitter as much as you like. We've got it coming. And we'll be back with Super Brawl next week. Toodaloo, motherfuckers.